HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash speakeasy. This episode of The Speakeasy is brought to you by La Luna Mezcal de Michoacan. If you've never had a mezcal from Michoacan, you can't fully understand mezcal. Go to lalunamezcal.com to get educated. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, People of Color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what did Here you guys are. get up to this weekend? Oh, man. Uh, Damon, you want to take the lead? You got the better story, I think. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, we, uh, we got out of town. We... Uh, a friend has a cabin up by the Russian River, um, and so we we drove my brother's two pink classic cars. He's got a '61 Thunderbird and a '55 Bel Air station wagon, uh, and they're both very pink, uh, which is awesome. And uh, we went up there for like four nights, and you know, drank a bunch of wine and floated around on the river and uh, played a bunch of guitars, and you know, just stayed in our own little bubble, and it was great cruising around in the old cars and just uh yeah good times man i mean it's a hell of a didn't way see to any fireworks i was about, wow yeah that's unusual on the fourth of july weekend i feel like here in new york greg and i've just been seeing fireworks every day so it didn't really seem super right. special on the fourth <laughs> <laughs> well it was sort of uh it was it was a it was a culmination i didn't realize this but apparently like macy still did their official fireworks thing but the reason I didn't notice it is I was up on a rooftop and I was it was like being inside 
of one of the giant fireworks displays. Like I'm seeing professional grade shit just fly up into the air and explode. And I could literally pinpoint like, oh, that was over at that street corner. (laughs) It was kind of, it was, it was (laughs) wild, man. It was pretty nonstop. Uh, Yeah. I'm noticing, I'm noticing that it's still going on uh, over in my uh, part of New York city. Where are you still seeing fireworks nightly, Greg? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I, I, I shouldn't still be surprised by them, but I am, but I'll just be like hanging out in my stoop, you know, like having a, having a late dinner and a, and a cocktail. And it's always seems to inevitably be like right when I'm raising the glass to my mouth when, and I just startle and <laughs> spray it everywhere. It's like, they're waiting for me. Um, I wonder, yeah, is, I wonder if they're going to like, uh, do the same thing. Like, you know how like to go cocktails have become something that we're just like, we're like, yeah, that's just a thing now. And it's like, I wonder if that's the same thing with like fireworks. If they're just like legal all year round now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I lived for a short time in Anaheim, California, where, you know, the nightly Disney fireworks show would go off and, you know, you just come to expect it. I think the difference here is that it's sporadic and you never know where it's coming from or when. Right, yeah. But I, I honestly, I know it's bothering a lot of people. I know it's got anxieties running high. I know, of course, it's affecting animals. I, I don't mind it. You know, it's, it's just city music to me. Yeah, sure. exactly. It's kind of uh, it's. I don't know. Pe- people are bored, man. And at a certain level, we all like shit that you can light on fire, watch it fly up into the air, and explode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Way to simplify um, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I spent. I spent the bulk of the weekend at Amoria Margo doing our outdoor service, um, which is, you know, now we're two weeks and change into that service and, you know, trying to, trying to figure it out and get a hold on it and understand how it's going to work or not work. Or I guess, frankly, the answer is how, how badly it's not going to work. It doesn't look like it's going to work. Just how badly is it not going to work? Um, did you, uh, do any work this weekend, Greg? Me no my my uh, I've still not been able to return back to work. I mean I was at a uh, I was at a pop up when all this happened, so I'd say it's pretty definitively popped down at this point. So I'm right. still <laughs> holding my breath like everybody else, waiting to see what happens next. Yeah, Damon, how's uh, outdoor seating going at Grand Army? I hate to be like the like optimist out of the group, but uh, <laughs> no, no, we need somebody to- has to. Yeah, we need that. I feel, and, and, I, well, I feel like guilt, man. You know, but like, you know, we've got <laughs> our street is closed down, so we're like spilling out into that, and then they're doing like construction across the street, uh, and like por- partially on the on the road itself, and so like we just kind of like we're just taking things in our own hands, we're just like putting tables wherever the fuck we want, it. and uh, and it's been great. I mean, uh, you know, it's and I'm using great in like the the modified way of saying great as great as it can be uh you know sure. in this situation um but yeah people were having a blast and you know like we got new picnic tables and then uh, campari gave us some umbrellas for our tables thanks campari um so yeah it's it's kind of like it's like it's almost like we moved into the next door space you know it's like we don't really use the bar anymore it's like but we got this new space and so we're just like transferring all of our energy over there and, uh, it, it's, 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 it, it's really weird and interesting, but yeah, I mean like, you know, ultimately it's for the, the neighborhood and the customers and like, uh, they're, they're digging it. So that's, I guess all I can really hope for. I mean, yeah, the, the yeah, small of amount of staff that we have on or, you know, they're like dedicated and they're like, 
holding it down. And, you know, they're, they're also really engaged and inspired and with, with the hand, with all the handicaps that come along with, uh, this kind of phase that we're in. So like, you know, it's, we're not doing like the same grand army stuff. We're doing other stuff, but it's still, it's fun and quirky and weird and it's very on brand for us. So, and you know, our, our customers and neighbors, like they, they love that kind of shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. You've built Never. a following based, based on the fact that you are a little bit unusual in, in, in your style and, and what you do. And this is just another layer of unusual for you. Are you finding that you're yeah. turning uh, enough revenue to be even again air quotes profitable like where wh- how is that a- aspect of it going for you um because i mean I, I agree with you we're, like the people we're who are coming to pay to, bills yeah yeah the people who are coming to amori margo are having a great time and they're enjoying that they can go that they have anywhere to go frankly but that they can come to to us and get the things they expect from us in a in a unique and brand new atmosphere but the sheer you know the fact that it takes us minimum double the labor to 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 pull in a quarter of the revenue means that there's no opportunity here for profit even if we were quote unquote full from the minute we open till the minute we close we wouldn't right. generate enough do you, i was wondering um, do you have like a dark like corner of the, the outdoor seating that dave schwimmer can like brood in like like i'll tell you does, what's funny does, um, this neat? <laughs> I, t- I tell you what's funny um you know i haven't seen him since but uh, you know, two weeks ago on the very first night, uh, Monday, uh, he was the he was our second guest. So he lives on the block. He's he's a big uh, um, you know supporter of what we do. He he sat there with a friend and had two drinks, and then they bought uh, uh, several cocktails to go. You know, loaded up his fridge so he could have drinks for a couple of days. Haven't seen him since, but man, uh, you know, it was good to see his face and know that he's a fan of our of what we do and he likes to be there. But but uh, no, he he had to sit right outside with everybody else. But he always has a ball nice. cap on. He he keeps a low hey, profile. He'll be there for you when the rain starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will. <laughs> I mean, you know, at this point, I guess we're friends. <laughs> oh my god, that was now the rest of the cat. show is just forty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All downhill from here. Yeah. Speaking of the rest of the show, Mr. Benson, <laughs> uh, who do we who do we have in the virtual studio with us today? Joining us in our uh, virtual studio and friends puntorium, we have uh, Will Wyatt, the co-owner of Mr. Paradise, uh, also of the East Village. Will, how are you, man? Welcome. What's I'm up, neighbor? Hey, how's it going, guys? I guess hey, I guess hey, we're man. we're neighbors in two ways. That's right. Um, yeah, we're. Uh, I mean, just listening to you guys talk about this, everything resonates a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing as good as I can. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we could just, you know, kind of jump right into this. You know, you've been kicking around New York city bartending for a bit. Um, and Mr. Paradise doesn't have a lot of, uh, um, legs on it as far as pre COVID. You'd only, how long had you been open before the pandemic struck you down? Um, our real official open was, um, uh, the very end of February last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we were, we were really just hitting our stride. Um, you know, as, as you guys know, opening a, a bar that first year is just kind of constantly just figuring something new out every single day. Um, <clears throat> and it kind of felt, you know, just as soon as we, we had that kind of on lockdown and I was starting to actually take days off, I suddenly had to take a lot of days off. 
so yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's definitely a, a a strange thing. You know, we were we were excited to kind of get to a point where we didn't have to be constantly thinking about how to make money because we were finally just naturally busy. And we're getting to a point where we're like, you know, I, I thought that January and February were going to be brutal just because all of my bartending career, January and February have been brutal. And, uh, and we had like a crazy profitable couple of months. And so I was like, great, we're going into busy season. So I, you know, I bulk ordered a lot of stuff and sort of geared up and made sure that staff was kind of bulky. And then right before we were ready to really just kind of roll with that, just, you know, shut down. Yeah. Fell apart. I didn't realize you made a full year. I thought you were short of a year before it happened. So that's, uh, you know, again, commendable. That first year is tough anywhere and especially in New York city and especially mm-hmm. maybe even in specifically the East village where we are. Um, tell the listener a little bit about what Mr. Paradise is all about. Um, I mean, really the whole goal was, um, bringing in friends who I've, I've worked with at just, really awesome cocktail bars. Um, you know, one guy who was managing Mace, um, one guy that I worked with at Nomad and he used to, uh, run the spotted pig. Um, you know, we're just trying to take everything we've learned and just turn it into as much of a party as we possibly can. Um, so like, you know, we're, we're doing, in my opinion, some pretty, pretty rad drinks. Um, but it's, a, you know, it's, it's really just about, you know, fun and social, like the whole place is designed just for like everyone to be together. So obviously not the, the ideal business model for, for these times. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a cocktail bar at heart, but we're trying to, trying to just be as, as fun and tongue in cheek as possible, which I mean, you know, something that, you know, both you Damon and, and Souther, you know, I, I see that vibe recreated i mean especially to get amoria margo for something as serious as like a you know all spirit all amaro um and bitter concept like it's still a place where you can go in and have like a fun time and and just get a little well, like, i, I think the, the goal there is that you know we we all worked in like places that were like there's like a, a definite like timeline with like styles of bars you know they like had to come along at certain specific points in time to like really essentially like create awareness of what these spirits these weird old spirits and like these cocktail ingredients and recipes and all stuff like there there was a time where we, and we also had to like kind of like teach the world that like this is like a craft that needs to be like respected and we're like taking ourselves like kind of too seriously and like <laughs> and then but we had to go through that to get to this point like the thing with like I feel like when I started going to Memorial Margo when it first opened I was like this is awesome. It feels like it doesn't feel like a scary place. It's a lot of ingredients that a lot of people are probably like have no like never even considered in existence, you know. Um, and but it really takes the the daunting like fear out of it, you know. Um, and that's the same thing we did with Grand Army. We're like, you know what? We want to have like a we have serious cocktails, but we don't want to take ourselves seriously. And that's the thing I've always liked about Mister Paradise. Like, I got to go there once. Are twice like but, last winter when I was visiting New York. I live in San Francisco now. I don't know if you know it well. Um, oh, I did. But um, I, 
yeah. So like I, I was, you know, I was going back like once a month or twice a month, really, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. And, um, and yeah, so I got to go there and I was like, dude, this, this reminds me a lot of like the, like there's like kind of a, there's like over the past few years have been this kind of like movement of like turning the bar into like, like still that social place that you remember, but like everything, like the ingredients and the cocktails and the thoughtfulness is like all elevated. And that to me, that's like to get to that point where you can open a place like that is like, that's the best of all the worlds, right? That's exactly what I was trying to create. Like I, I love when, you know, some bartender who's visit, visiting from Europe comes in cause they heard about it and, you know, they ask for this, you know, obscure, barely written about 1920s classic and we can cook that up. And then the person next to them says, can I have a fuzzy navel? And I'm like, I don't have peach schnapps, but I'm going to figure out how to make this delicious and like do our right. best with that and just try to blend as much as possible and just then pour them both a shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in, yeah. A, in a pretty, in a pretty beautiful, it's a very pretty bar as well. You know, um, uh, as far as the East Village goes, I think it's kind of one of the prettiest bars that's opened up in in, a, in quite a while. Um, talk to me a little bit about what the decisions that you made to create that decor in there. Um, I mean, that was another thing. I wanted to, I wanted it to feel a, a little bit put together, um, but still treat it almost like a dive. You know, I. Um, I had I I grew up doing construction like I had a little bit of a background in carpentry um and so I had I had just far too much hubris going into it and being like I don't need a GC I'm going to do this myself. So I had a crew and then I and I had an expediter to to help <laughs> out the filings but just like as soon as I started dealing with the DOB and dealing with Con Ed and FDNY I just realized how how lost I was. So I had some really serious roadblocks that, you know, the, the biggest one was, uh, was getting my gas signed off. Um, just because the restaurant that was there previously, um, had not filed for kitchen alterations, which I wasn't aware of literally until my inspection day. Um, and so I, I was held up for nine months and it was sort of in that time. That's a big deal here in New York, just for people listening. Huge, yeah. uh, it, you, when you set your kitchen up initially, you have to give a blueprint to the uh, to the DOH or whoever, and they then uh, uh, know exactly how your Ansel system has to look, you know. Uh, and then if you move, literally, if you just decide, I want to move the fryer from the left side of the stove to the right side of the stove, you have to get that uh, confirmed with the city. Uh, otherwise, it's like a shit ton of red tape. Yeah, and it was, and I, I had an even like an extra layer to it. Because there was a still open um, job, a plumbing job for the gas uh, from two restaurants ago. And the Ansel system was was filed under that job number. So I essentially had to reopen that job, track down that plumber who's not working anymore, and reopen that so that I could have him finish the job and then open my new job. So it was just like this massive headache. But... That like sort a fucking, of did, it's like a fucking cold case file. It was it was so much work, man. Like the amount of time I spent just like at my expediters and then just um, just on the phone with Firemasters, my my uh, Ansel company, and um, and with the FDNY, just trying to like get inspections to happen on the same day was just this. It it was a full time job, but it also meant that I had a lot of time to just like sit in the space and look around and be like that would be cool here. This would be cool there. 
Um, and I had uh, the the technical designer that I worked with uh, has a pretty good relationship with a fair amount of, um, <clears throat> of fabricators and purveyors. So I was I was able to sort of work with his connections um, to get a lot of really awesome custom stuff made, but for cheaper because I didn't really have much of a lead time. I was just like, when do you get a chance? Can you do this for me? Um, so I was able to, to work out a lot more deals, but it was, uh, all in all, I would have much preferred just to have it done quickly. But, um, but yeah, I just spent a lot of time just like sitting in there, looking around, brainstorming and trying to figure out how to like make it feel lively and engaging, but still with like a little bit of an element of class. Cause you know, the past three places I worked at were all, you know, like Michelin star places. Um, Damon, I, I was, before I was at Nomad, I was, uh, very briefly, um, I was the beverage director for Cezanne out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which, um, as, which is no joke, <laughs> which is definitely no joke from a dining standpoint, but it's also like that wine cellar. If you go in there and you don't order wine and you order a cocktail, shame on you. So <laughs> there was just like, there was no reason for me to be there because I, I had nothing to do I, with the wine. I got two I, hands, man. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, like when, when you go in and everyone's meet it, uh, met at their table with just, you know, a glass of like a special Krug Kuvie, you're, you're not in, in the cocktail mindset. Um, right. But coming from that experience, you know, where I had to like shave within two hours of service. So I looked as presentable as possible. I wanted to just like sort of take a bit of little elements of my background and, and just bring it in there. Um, but, but then feel a little free to just screw it up. <laughs> I like that. Perfect. Um, well, look, it's a perfect pause in the conversation for us to take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll come right back and keep talking to Will Wyatt of Mr. Paradise about what's been going on since the pandemic hit. So stay tuned. Hey, Chava, did you hear that La Luna Mescal de Michoacan is underwriting this episode of the Speakeasy? That's odd, Lou. They usually underwrite our podcast, Agave Road Trip. Maybe they got tired of my poop jokes? Or maybe when you put so much love into each bottle, as La Luna Mezcal de Michoacan does, you just have enough love to go give around. Good point, Chava. And since they make every bottle by roasting agave underground in an earthen oven, milling it by hand using axes, ferment it open air in wooden barrels, and distill it in wood fire copper stills, Well, that's a lot of love. That's right, Lou. And if you want to see some of this Michoacan love, learn more at lalunamezcal.com. And anyone who wants to learn more about spirits can stay tuned for more of the Speakeasy with Damon and Souther. This episode is brought to you by Square. You might know Square from their little white card readers, but Square has a lot more tools that can help businesses especially now that they're having to figure out how to safely reopen and make things work in this new normal. So many are stepping up to the challenge, like Fifth Hammer Brewing in Long Island City. To adapt, Fifth Hammer's co-owner, Mary Izette, created a Square online store so customers could browse available beers, build an order, and safely pick up cans from the tap room. 
I was able to set up our online store within 24 hours of moving to a to-go model. The Square online store allowed Fifth Hammer to keep beer production going, serve their local customers, and retain employees. It's also very easy to train your staff on. They will be able to receive, fulfill, and provide your customers with a contactless pickup in no time. If you're a business owner, Square wants you to know it has tools that can help you shift your business, like Fifth Hammer is doing. No matter if you're brewing beer, baking bread, or mixing to-go cocktails, you can start taking online orders in minutes with pickup and delivery. And if you're selling in person, Square can help you accept contactless payments. All these tools work together and they're all in one place. You just need a Square account to get started. See all the ways Square can help your business right now by visiting square.com slash go slash speakeasy. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy, and we have our buddy from Mr. Paradise, Will Wyatt. Uh, we've been talking about the bar and the, uh, the the starting days and getting set up and everything. And now we need to talk about what has what has it evolved <laughs> into, or devolved, uh, honestly, or de- yeah. Well, you know, I I I, I don't know. Eternal optimist, Damon. Some... Eternal optimist. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Damon, I mean, we, like I just. I want to talk to you more. It's just I want to when I when I'm feeling down about it. When I'm in there, just like <laughs> covered in sawdust, Dude, putting up boards and anytime, stuff. Anytime, man. Like, damn it! Like, yeah, I'm here for you, like, man. This is great. This is a pivot. Um, yeah. I'll be there but, for you. <laughs> uh, you call a callback. Yeah, <laughs> call it a callback in the biz. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, think about like I, I know Fort Defiance kind of said that you know, like I know they got Gage and Tolner that they're uh, you know Singer's been working on, and I can't wait to see that place since right you know around the corner from Grand Army. Um, but you know, he's talking about how he saw the need. I, I don't know if this is something you're considering doing, but like he saw the need in Red Hook with Fort Defiance when he changed it to like a bottle shop and provisions kind of setup, and he was like, you know what, like Red Hook needs this. And he realized that it was not only like something that was useful, but it was also, I mean, it was profitable. So he, he's pivoting uh, Fort Defiance is no longer going to be a bar, apparently, or bar restaurant. It's going to be mm-hmm. a provision shop in Red Hook. So, I mean, like, I like the idea that people are kind of using their space right now in the ways that they can. I don't think it's a devolvement. I think it's, you know, I think it's just kind of, de- I, it takes someone that's very passionate, but also very creative to navigate these situations. And so let's talk about what you've been doing. I mean, I want to just interject real quick and say, I don't mean to sound like a pessimist And this, these, these, these changes. That's that's the title of your next book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) These changes are, are creative and they are, uh, you know, fast on their feet and all those things. And that is all well and good. However, what we're realizing more and more with the things that we're doing at Amore Margo and the things that I'm hearing that other people are doing is they aren't necessarily profitable, which means they can't last forever. It's, uh, you know, I don't mean to be pessimistic about the fact that we're doing outdoor. We got it. It's beautiful. We got a canopy. It's like really nice looking. We hung signs and we got all this furniture and it's really kind of cool, but it's not working. That's the problem. So anyway, I want to talk about, I want to talk to Will about how things are going at Mr. Paradise. You first shifted into like a kind of, wine and liquor store, which I did as well. And I was selling to-go cocktails out of what I called the lemonade stance or a window out yeah. front. Um, but you were doing delivery. Talk about that and how you set it up and, and how you got people to even order, like the whole process. Yeah, I mean, it, it developed, honestly, or it, it evolved every week. Um, we started off just with the idea of like, let's 
let's just change this up. Let's sell some stuff out of the window. Um, and you know, then we kind of did took an assessment of our, um, of our stock and it kind of didn't make sense to really do an actual like liquor store, liquor store, especially cause you know, why come to us? You know, when we paid our, you know, wholesale distributor prices and then we market up to just a little bit above the wine shop down the street. Um, and we, we make essentially nothing on it, you know, um, especially if we're, if we're giving money to staff who's there, which obviously we're going to. So, um, that whole thing, uh, seemed a little, a uh, little futile. And what we decided to do instead was still keep the name like paradise wines and liquor. We put a new logo on the door. Um, and we're just kind of having a, a bit of fun with it mainly just cause at the beginning there was a little less of that financial panic. Um, when we didn't, you know, it kind of took us a while to realize that we were, you know, settling in for the long sleep. Um, and what we decided to do was kind of give people their bar experience through what we do in, in, in terms of just like creating a vibe and an atmosphere and a, and a bit of a brand um, and, and just bring it to people, right? So we were doing all of our cocktails um, that were, you know, all of our super popular cocktails and um, bottling them and you know, they would come with sort of cheeky directions, you know, things where it's like, um, you know, our shake and gin cocktail, um, comes with like a little slip. That's the Microsoft clippy guy. It's like, Oh, I see you ordered a Cougar Magnum. How can I help you today? And then, you know, and then it, <laughs> it explains how to make, how to like prepare it. Um, and you know, we were halfway pre-diluting cocktails because, you know, I'm, I'm not super excited about the idea of like a shaken cocktail going and sitting in someone's fridge for two days and then they just drink it. And it's just, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're still happy to have it, but it's just not great. Um, so sort of our I idea was um, bring things to half dilution, leave a bit of headspace in the bottle. So they refrigerate, they shake it in the bottle and pour it. Um, and then obviously for stirred cocktails, it's considerably easier. But the main thing that we did that was, uh, that was a big hit was we did um, packages. We did like uh, one week we did binge boxes where, um, you know, we had a cocktail made for um, watching Tiger King, a cocktail made for watching The Office. Um, and, you know, each one was like a little bit of a, a call to the show. So Tiger King, it was an $80 pack, which was literally just uh, a bottle of bourbon, a few beers, uh, I don't, I'm saying this with a Southern action just because I'm like thinking of what we're trying to do with a few beers. <laughs> um, yeah, every once in a while, my Virginia accent creeps back up, but, um, and then, and it was just, it had, uh, yeah, some burger patties and then, uh, hot Cheetos and a six pack of Mountain Dew. Um, and obviously someone can just go to a store and get that stuff, but it's sort of just like the fun experience of like getting this stuff that we put together. Um, I mean, Tiger King's an example of us just throwing some things in the bag, but, um, but we also did special cocktails for, um, you know, we had like a movie night thing and I did like a, a whole like QVC video for the menu, um, where, you know, it was like, you know, uh, buy now and, you know, you get, you know, the two of these for the price of two. Um, and, uh, 
<laughs> and you know, we had like we had it did a gin cocktail called the Gin Diesel for watching the Fast and the Furious, and um, <laughs> yeah, we were just we were like we were having fun. It was keeping us a bit entertained, um, but also like our regulars really, I think, appreciated that we were taking it on on the vibe that we were trying to create, just sort of you know, in a word, just dumb. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was it was successful in that we were busy. You know, we had. 35, 40 deliveries uh, each Friday, which is when we the only time we were doing it. And we were, and we were, we were just doing uh, $50 delivery minimums. And we were delivering to anywhere. Because uh, to uh, two of the guys who, who work with me there, uh, they got cars, which was a huge mistake. Because now I just make them drive me everywhere. Whenever <laughs> I need something. Like, hey, you want to work today? Yeah, can you pick me up? Um, but, uh, so we were doing that and, you know, it was like a full day of work. It was fun. And, and I essentially just had a profit share going with the guys. Like they, they go in, they set everything up, they put the bags together, they label all the bottles, they deliver it. And I was just giving them 45% of whatever came in. Um, and so they were making some decent money and I was paying them. Uh, I don't know if I should be saying this on the air, but I was, I was not paying them. Legally, correct. You were gifting. You were gifting <laughs> them gifting money. I was giving them some money with this fun uh, Venmo app. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so it was. It was like a cool way to keep staff kind of floating um, and and just keep our our presence out there. But at the end of the day, we we didn't really turn a profit. Really, the only benefit of it was um, was just liquidating our inventory so that we could use that to redirect to to some of our fixed costs. That's what I keep um, saying. I'm I'm just turning liquid into liquid, right? Li- selling yeah. inventory to have dollars instead of bottles, yeah. So that I can utilize that those dollars in a way that I can't utilize those bottles. Exactly. Um, and you know, even we we shut that down just because it became a, a bit of an overbearing thing. Because um, we we started off like we we got this uh, really cool um, like vinyl labeling machine and we were labeling canvas tote bags that all the orders would come in. We were labeling each, labeling each one of the bottles. Um, and you know, it was, it was cool cause people would pre-order so I could order like the exact amount of citrus that I needed and the exact amount of every outside of our already core inventory product. Almost like a, it's needed. almost like a catering gig at that point, you know, exactly yeah, what you're expecting, which was great. There was like, we weren't, there was nothing wasted, which was cool. Um, but it, it just uh, it became a bit much for one day of work, you know, um, and it relied very much on these two guys who have cars. So <laughs> we uh, we started doing to go out of the window, um, which we actually, you know, we've had some good days. And by a good day, I mean, you know, a tenth of what yeah. we would do on a on a Friday before all this. Right. Um, but still, you know, that's it's something and um and we were trying to keep it kind of as hush hush as possible um because i actually i i had my first conversation with my landlord yesterday he he didn't reach out to me but he's he seems like he's he's down to to play ball um you know he's he's a very matter of fact guy um and uh yeah so i'm gonna i was like i'll I'll email you We'll, we'll figure it out and so eventually i will um but, you know, we were trying to keep our, the fact that we were operating sort of as under wraps as possible. Mm-hmm. 
while still, you know, having just some sort of small thing for people passing by in the neighborhood to just stop by and grab a drink. Um, and when you were doing to go from your window, were you doing still packaged, you know, like these packages? Were you still doing bottles of cocktails or were these open like a, in a plastic cup cocktails? Yeah. So we started doing plastic cups. Um, our, our original plan was sort of like be a little like cheeky towards the SLA and, you know, put it in cups that say like, you know, green tea or something. Yeah. You know, just like make it look not like you're drinking a cocktail. Right. Um, but then as I'm sure you guys have experienced, uh, SLA really got a bit more serious. Um, after, you know, St. Mark started just flooding. Yeah. It looked like bourbon, night. looked like, looked like bourbon street. It, yeah, it was Bourbon Street. You know, the uh, EVS put their band outside. I mean, if there weren't a pandemic, it would be so rad. All, like, I would I would be on that street every night. It was so much fun. Uh, or, I mean, it, it looked like so much fun if you're not thinking about the fact that this it could is, be, that it's it terrible. Could be, it could be deadly. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, it's Re- deadly Remove the fun. potential deadliness and this would be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Why can't we just do that? But um, we – so I started sort of to reevaluate um, – and when, when the outdoor seating happened, um, also, as I'm sure you guys know, these rules have been in just a constant state of flux. So I, you know, I opened up, I got shut down by DOT. I fixed stuff. I, uh, I saw an, a DOT inspector uh, down the street at Kindred. And I was like, can you come look at my thing afterwards? And um, she came up and she told me what I needed to fix. And then the next day, the barriers had to be 18 inches wide. And the next day, it could just. Yeah, let's let's pause for a second. Yeah, let's clarify to the listener, the DOT, Department of Transportation. And you're thinking, why does the Department of Transportation have anything to say about your bar? Uh, So here in New York City, we've been allowed to take the parking spaces in front of our bars and cordon them off and make them into outdoor seating for this limited outdoor seating phase. Um, but uh, the rules that they put out were very specific on what we had to build, and then everyone built them, and about, what was it, a week and two days later, they changed the rules. So, so many yeah. people had already built these things, myself included, and then I had to go back. So, I've already paid this expense to have them built, now I have to have them retrofitted to make, meet the new demands. Um, so, it's been yeah. really fucking tricky. So, you you dealt with them, you, you, you went and got them and asked them to come look at your stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I... I honestly, I put a grand total of about hundred bucks into mine um, because we. Uh, <laughs> nice job. <laughs> which uh, I mean, I you know I have a little bit of a know-how when it comes to building stuff, and I had all this plywood because um, when all of the protests were going on and and people were starting to break windows, I I boarded up and I boarded up my bar in the Lower East Side, and that bar in the Lower East Side has so much frontage and it's all windows. And so I had 32 full sheets of plywood. So I was just like, great, I'll, I'll build some stuff. So I built some planners. I, I, I put a, I connected quote unquote walls to them. Um, but there were two phases of, of updating the rules where one was, it has to be 18 inches wide. And then the next one was there can't be gaps. Um, so I had to go in and like completely redo it. Um, and then once I finished it, I actually just finished building it yesterday and I went to set it up and like really measure out the space. Cause I only, at Mr. Paradise, I only have 15 uh, feet of frontage and you know, the, the street seating cannot extend past your, your storefront. Right. Um, so I have 15 feet and those 18 inch barriers 
brings down, that's, you know, three feet lost. So I have, I have 12 feet to work with. Right. To separate people by six feet. So you've got, you know, I got two tables. I got two tables. Um, and those can barely be set up as four tops. So, you know, it, again, it's, it's a thing that's, it's kind of a cool way to keep our brand somewhat alive. And we're just treading water a bit. Um, especially as we've, you know, stopped ordering anything and are just going through whatever backstock we can. Um, and, and we've altered as many of our fixed costs as possible, but we're never, we're not going to profit anything from this. It's we're we're just going to dig out of the debt of this. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun thing. I'm trying to, I'm doing my best to really just like look at it as a way that Damon apparently is, uh, is like, you know, we're just, this is a fun, cool update. We're able to turn New York into honestly what I've always wanted New York to be. Um, and you know, we got outdoor seating and I did not have to go in front of the community board, especially CB3. And that was (laughs) such a blessing. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's so up in the air and we don't really have any concrete knowledge that things are going to continue, uh, as they are, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for that, uh, email from, from the state or the SLA saying that, you know, too many people have been infected or it's like too hard to, uh, to manage because honestly, like people, people are really antsy. People have just been inside and when they go out, they want to be out. And when they go to that, go to a bar and they travel to a bar and they're excited to go there and that bar only has six chairs that you can sit in, those six chairs are probably taken. So they're going to try to grab a drink and stand somewhere. And then it's on the bars to go and babysit them and say, Hey, you, you can't drink on the sidewalk, you know, cause that's putting the bars license at risk. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're doing our best to police everything and still make it like fun and engaging. Um, but the whole combination of outdoor seating and to go, it's uh, it does create sort of like an uncomfortable, um, situation when someone comes up and they want to sit and they know that they can have to go cocktails and, and inevitably they're going to say, can I have a cocktail? And then they wait for their table with that cocktail. And you just have to go and be like, you cannot take a sip of that standing outside this bar or technically within a hundred feet of the bar. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a difficult thing for people like us to grasp. Um, and, and the guest as well, but I think it's, it's just as hard for us to say, Oh man, I'm being mandated by the city to be somewhat unhospitable when hospitality is literally all I do. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're facing that too. People are coming up and getting those to-go cocktails uh, and trying to linger and mingle. And I'm like, guys, you gotta like walk around the block. Just just do whatever you yeah. gotta do. But you gotta keep moving. I was uh, I was thinking of uh, uh, I'm getting uh, stamps made. I'm I'm gonna be serving just in paper cups uh, for to-go just because the amount of plastic we've gone through is ridiculous um so i'm i'm going over to paper but i'm getting one of those uh stamps that like cafes have and i'm kind of thinking about just stamping like directions to tompkins square park on it like, <laughs> you're gonna drink I mean, you know, go go over there i mean I, yeah. I that would be uh definitely calling some unwanted attention to us if uh the state liquor authority were to find that out but <laughs> it could be a somewhat of a meeting in the middle yeah you know, even just a stamp of of, uh, uh, of the neighborhood in general, like just take a walk. Like you can, 
Figure out how long it takes you to drink one drink and walk half that distance and then walk the other half back. And when you're done, it'll be time for another drink. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you so, think about what do you, real quick? Do you, what do you guys think about uh, what's going to happen with, you know, Iowa announced that their uh, takeout cocktails are a permanent right. thing in this thing. And then uh, Michigan announced that uh, they're going to do it until 2025, which. Nice. Oh, damn. I'm like, I that, that if, if, if if you review it at 2025 and then take it back after like five years of letting <laughs> people do it, that's yeah. fucked up. So, but yeah. also at the same time, I feel it like I'm like, oh shit, 2025. That's how long you think this is going to last? Like the right. pandemic, like that that bothers me. I'm like, why did you have to put a number on it? I was happy. That to me, you must be the optimist, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm well, saying. That to I, me I mean, just I, sounds I, like. <laughs> Well, I mean, how how long are how long are terms in the in like the the Michigan State Senate? Like, maybe maybe yeah. by twenty twenty four, everyone's like, "Well, I won't have to deal with this. Let's just give it another year, and maybe I'll be retired by then." You know, at least yeah. then I won't have to be the asshole that repealed it later. Right. Well, so, I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, with Iowa and with Michigan doing it, I'm like, I you know, like I New York and California can't be that far behind, right? You would think. Yeah. I would hope. Um, I think the, the concentration of people in New York and the amount of um, of weight that we have put in the past on uh, community and community board dealings is probably going to, if if nothing else, slow that down or um, or put a lot of stipulations in place on those rules. Um, the community board would, doesn't really have all that much say ultimately. You can get around the community board. You you can um That's that's just there and, for like board people to do something, you know, like and complain yeah, about yeah. things. Like, it's a it's a good place for people who want to start a business to go just go get yelled at for a while. Um <laughs> But it's also like, you know, like I think as far as a state it would be a state thing, right? So like to go cocktails would have to be a New York state thing. It's just like in Prohibition. Yeah. Like when that was going down, it's like they you know, like people in New York were like in New York City, they were like, fuck it, whatever, prohibition, that'll never happen. But they got the popular vote because they went upstate. New York's a big mm-hmm. state. Yeah, New York City's a little island, you know? So, like, I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, like, you know, I don't know, whatever. Go ahead. I mean, it, <laughs> could, like, it, it could, like, New Orleans turn into a city uh, thing. My hope is that, yeah. frankly, it doesn't last forever um, because I lived in New Orleans, and though that was great, it's a very different thing than here. I think I mentioned it on another show. You know, when you're walking down Bourbon Street in the middle of summer, and you know the streets are crowded, and you're walking past bars that are just empty with with floods of air conditioning pouring out of them. Um, That's true. That bar still that bar is still profitable. There's just no one in there. You walk in, you grab your drink, and you leave. And I don't want my bar to be empty but profitable. I want my bar to be full. I'm not, I didn't build a yeah. bar so I could so so no one would be there. Yeah, so I, I I hope that it doesn't go that far, and I know that's an extreme, but you know, and also you have well, to think also, if, if you have to think if, if if we're offered another stream of revenue, then landlords are going to perceive that we're making money off that stream. So you say to yourself, well, well, Amori Margo just don't serve to go cocktails, but then my landlord's going to be like, well, your rent should be higher because you should be selling to go cocktails. You know, there's going to be those mm-hmm. kind of repercussions as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's a lot. Hey, well, here's a, feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, do a, a, lot, I'll do a positive thing here. But uh, yeah, no, I, think, <laughs> I, I feel like it's time for that. <laughs> I know. Honestly, like the way I the way I see it is like, you know, like drinking on the streets is legal in New Orleans. I don't think drinking on the streets is ever going to be totally legal in New York City. 
I think it's just the takeout of cocktails is a th- just an added thing, you know, like doing takeout food. Like, you know, Grand Army never did takeout food before. Right. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people were like, a lot of our customers were like, you know, people would call up and be like, hey, can we get a, a dozen oysters to go? I'm like, what are you going to like take them in a bag and like shuck them yourself? Like, what? We don't have like yeah. trays <laughs> for you to take, you know? And like, yeah, this in like the middle of summer in like New York City, like if we do a bed of like Scotsman crushed ice or whatever, like that's going to be water by the time you get wherever you go. And it's like, but right. you know, anyway, what I'm saying is like, I'm just trying to find the, the positive in all this. I think that like takeout cocktails is an option. It's kind of like the growler thing, right? So like, yeah. When, when Growlers started becoming really popular, it was like, you know, people didn't stop going to the bar and, like, drinking beer at the bar. They went there, and they were, like, on their way out. There are a lot of country songs about it, by the way. Like, one six-pack yeah. to go. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Bartender, I'll have another round and a six-pack to go. I mean, like, that shit was, like, a thing back in the day, right? And uh, I'm just saying, like, being able to buy it, it, it's not going to be a replacement for the bar, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. My, yeah, yeah, my yeah. big worry about about that in New York city is I, I do kind of feel like to go or like take away cocktails does it, it just inherently will be open container. People will I, order, I like, agree, like yeah. when someone comes up to the window and orders a drink and we put, we give them a drink that's on ice. That means drink this, you know, it, it I, um, I'm starting to move into uh, every drink that is quote unquote to go. Um, I'm actually going to put in a little 178 mil bottle and crown cap it so that someone needs a tool to get to that drink. Um, and you know, it's, it's adding 89 cents to every single cocktail cost that is to go, which is a drag, but I'm kind of willing to eat that not to be in the, in the SLEs, uh, in their, their tractor beam. So I think that, um, the to-go is, it's going to morph a lot. Like, especially, I mean, I've seen such a downtick in to-go once outdoor seating has started. Yep. Um, and I think that's going to continue, especially if we ever reach phase three. Um, it's going to be, it's sort of just like an extra thing that, in my opinion, isn't going to be enough added revenue to to justify the the risk that you're putting yourselves under. Yeah. Um, unless you, um, do it delivery, you know, like I, I, I really hope that we can still do like cocktail delivery through seamless. Um, and if you have decent enough packaging and, you know, someone who lives in the neighborhood, but is pouring rain and we're open and they don't want to come out to a bar can just go on seamless, hit their thing. And all their information saved is just super easy. And to us, you know, if, if we're doing shelf-stabilized cocktails, we can just grab some stuff out of a fridge. I can even have my cook do it. Um, and I think that's a way that the to-go could really, really help and be a just like a, a pretty actually substantial supplementary uh, income. Yeah, I 100% co-sign on all of that. That I would, I would like to see maybe carry on, being able to deliver cocktails um, you know, again, we don't deliver anything from Amore Margo, but but for other places that do, I see that as being, you know, a, a great uh, stream of revenue that you could get coming in. Because people come to your place and they enjoy your food and they enjoy your food with your drinks and they order it to go or, or delivery, you know, they, they want to enjoy the same thing. So I, get, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, 
Will, it's been really fascinating having you on and talking to you about what's going on at Mr. Paradise, a young bar in the East Village of New York City that was barely a year old when the COVID uh, pandemic hit and the things that you've done to pivot and continue and keep your business floating. Um, I wish we had more time so we could keep talking about more. Um, uh, got some social back media. on the show, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You got some social media you want to plug? How can people follow along with what you're doing? Um, yeah, we're, we're just keeping updates um, pretty much just strictly through Instagram. Um, just at Mr. Paradise NYC. Um, we're it's a great Instagram feed, by the way. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, really great photography. I, uh, every once in a while when I realize, when I like, go through the photographs that I've had taken and realize that it's all just like pictures of cocktails I've posted before, I'll just, you know, feed a photographer and they come in, just take a picture of the thing and then eat it. And then I get to use that, which is great because <laughs> me with my iPhone photography, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I, I, but I just can't make it look good. I just can't. Um, but thank you. Um, yeah, we're going to, we were planning to, to launch our outdoor patio. You know, we're branding it paradise porch and you know, we got a bunch of AstroTurf and it's all bright and stuff against some lawn flamingos. Um, we're planning to do that actually today. Um, but weather has not blessed us. So yeah, we're start do rain. It as soon as we get a, a nice sunny day. So probably tomorrow we'll be at it. Um, and then just every nice day since. We'll see. Yeah, right on. Well, thank uh, you very much, guys, for having me. Yeah, hey, man, really been a pleasure. Here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think we got to wrap it up because I know Amanda's got another show. I hear the bells tolling out there in, at Damon's place. <laughs> yeah, I'm right across <laughs> from the church. There they that are. Nice, it's actually. noon here. Yeah, I, that's I. You know, I always lived next to churches in Brooklyn because kind of hard not to. Um, but then when I moved out here to Marin, I'm like right across from a church, and it's. It's really nice, man. I like to wake up with the sunshine and like the sound of bells, and uh, I haven't gotten tired of it yet. But it does always tell us every week that this is the end of the show, which is kind of yeah. funny, because <laughs> especially when we're talking with like uh, Rob from uh, the Black and Whiskey about Metallica, and then the, then the bells started tolling. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, that's metal. But uh, yeah, man, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Uh, it's been great uh, seeing what you know with Mister Paradise, but also. I, it's been awesome watching you uh, in your career as a bartender. Honestly, um, you've Thank really you. been. I appreciate that. You've made some really cool stuff happen in, over the past years, and uh, I'm definitely a fan. Um, but yeah, everyone, go check out Mr. Paradise or go to the Paradise Porch and have some cocktails to go and be sneaky with them. Um, yeah. <laughs> incognito. Bring an extra pocket. Cargo shorts are great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're coming back. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. That's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out heritageradionetwork.org for many other programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. Keep us going. And until next week, everyone, stay safe and cheers. Cheers, cheers. guys. Thank you. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.